Garden Academy, engineering luck. You ever find those people, or you ever see those people that just, no matter what, they just seem to keep getting lucky? Uh, years ago, it was 13 years ago, I was walking around uh, a warehouse. I, had, I was employed, believe it or not. And uh, I was with two coworkers, and they said, you know, I swear if we all tripped and fell in a pile of shit, um, Nick would some find somehow find gold in his and you know it was at the time it was stuck with me because it kind of bothered me but there's some there's some truth to that in the sense that one um, it's because I'd be looking for gold and two there's a process for engineering luck fortuitous things part of its perspective glass half full the other part is receptivity and engineering upside remove downside engineer upside remove downside engineer upside if you do that repeatedly uh, the things that reveal themselves tend to be more favorable than less favorable. We're going to talk about engineering luck. Another uh, core concept, so you'll see the shield here up in the corner, that just means core concept training. This, again, this is the foundation of everything else, and the foundation also has underpinnings of its own, which we'll talk about. Okay. Now, keep in mind, this is not hoping, this is not guessing, this is not gambling. That's not what we teach, so we do a lot of stuff in uh, crypto. Obviously, and it's not guessing, hoping, praying, staring at charts, white knuckled. That's not our strategy. If that's your strategy, that's fine. We prefer a different route because we can engineer good luck, which is like, why wouldn't you do that? Now, it's important to remember we're talking in risks and probabilities, not certainties and absolutes. That's very important when we're talking about engineering fortuitous circumstances. Good luck, as we call it. Okay. Uh, my crystal ball is broken. So a lot of people come in saying, what what exactly is going to happen and when? I don't know. That's accepting that we don't have a crystal ball and accepting that nobody else has a crystal ball allows us to bias risk and probability instead of certainty and absolutes, which is the dogmatic uh, orientation. There's a training about that. If this doesn't make sense to you, please go watch that training first. Um, so we're thinking of risk and probabilities, which allows us to engineer of various outcomes that get a uh, higher probability of being beneficial to us. Hey, so the underpinnings of engineering luck, system reliability, make sure you watch the system reliability, uh, scientific versus uh, dogmatic orientation, which I just spoke about. Bumpers, we need to appreciate when bad things don't happen in order to engineer luck. And the solvable problem, because the solvable problem allows us to practice the most important key word of all, which is restraint. Pushing harder when you don't need to is a way to engineer bad luck. Okay, so knowing when not to push harder is one of the key components of engineering luck. And you need to have a solvable problem to inform you as to when to take your uh, foot off the gas, so to speak. Uh, so here we go. You ever been somewhere Maybe you went there randomly. Maybe it was planned, you know, Hawaii, Indonesia, wherever. And you run into somebody that you never would have guessed that you would run into there. And you think, what are the chances? This is a one in gazillion odds that I would run into you here. And uh, that might be true, but we have retroactively fitted the probability to the circumstance. Okay. Which means it's not that unlikely that you run into somebody that you don't expect to run into somewhere you don't expect to run into them. That's pretty likely. It happens all the time. It's happened to all of us. However, once we see the person, you know, oh, John, 
what are you doing in Hawaii? Now, John in Hawaii at the same time as me, that's unprobable. It might be extremely improbable. We'll talk about that in a second. The point being, something um, with a very low probability of happening happens all the time. But once it happens and we, we name it John in Hawaii on today, then it becomes very improbable. So this, the details actually drive down the probability, if that makes sense. I'll explain that a little bit better, hopefully, in a minute. So that brings us to Evelyn Adams. Evelyn Adams won the New Jersey Lottery twice in her life. The odds were like 1 to 70 trillion. And they did a bunch of research, a bunch of uh, you know people studying probabilities, statistics, statisticians. They just said, what are the chances of this? That Evelyn Adams, this, you know, however, she was like 70 something maybe when she won the second time. But what are the chances of this woman winning the New Jersey lottery twice? And again, it came out to be like one in 70 trillion. So how, how, how do we make sense of this? And then another group, I believe from Stanford said, you know, let's look at this a different way. What are the chances that somebody somewhere at some time in the, in the history of the universe gets this lucky. And it was like one in 30. Eventually, somebody somewhere was probably going to get that lucky. Okay? So be, once it happened, and we said, okay, it's this person, they won in this way at this time, it became improbable, astronomically improbable. Okay, so hope that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> the point being, if... You want to engineer luck, good things happen, and you decide right now the only thing that would be good is if I met this random person in this random place on this random date. The probability of you having good luck is very, 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 very low. But if you widen it out and you're less dogmatic and you say, you know, I'd be really happy if I met somebody somewhere I didn't expect to see them, there's a much higher probability that you get that lucky. So being more specific about exactly what has to happen for you to con to be happy, that's being dogmatic, drives down the probability that you experience something that is favorable or considered good luck randomly. Okay, so the lesson from Evelyn Adams and everything we just said is there's a few ways, just broad stroke ways of engineering luck. One, you have to stay in the game. That's step one. Okay. You got to live long enough for things to happen. You got to participate. You got to, you know, travel. You got to meet people. You got to stay. Whatever your game is, you have to stay in the game long enough for things to just happen. Okay? And you can't get too rigid or dogmatic about exactly what has to happen. So if you say, uh, I need to make $100 million and you craft out a plan and you decide this plan is the only way I can make $100 million. I have to follow this plan perfectly you're probably going to experience a lot of bad luck because things that are unexpected will reveal themselves. If you say, yeah, you know, I want to make a hundred million dollars. Uh, I'm going to start going this way, but I'm totally open to new options that reveal themselves. The higher probability that you stumble upon a new option, a better option, just because you're open to it. Okay. So being rigid and dogmatic drives down the probability that you experience anything that you would consider good luck. Okay. So stay in the game and do stuff. That's like the broad stroke. If you can't stay in the game, you're not going to have good luck. And if you can't do stuff or be open to stuff, um, then it's very low. It's very unlikely 
you're going to have good luck. And again, I will explain why. The third is receptivity. Okay, receptivity. Uh, you're not going to run into someone somewhere you don't expect them if you are not paying attention to your surroundings. So we got to stay in the game. We can't be too dogmatic about how that has to happen. For example, uh, December of 2021, everybody thought Bitcoin was going to 100 grand. If your plan was, okay, Bitcoin has to go to 100 grand in December. And if that happens, then uh, my life is good. If not, I'm in a lot of trouble. Super dogmatic. It didn't happen. Okay, there was no getting lucky there. Uh, if you said, yeah, I, I need to make this much money, I think Bitcoin will get me there, but I'm going to pay attention to uh, other options that might reveal themselves. At least you had a chance of getting lucky. Okay, so we're just driving up the probabilities that we have a path forward. We've got to be receptive. Yeah. Now, <laughs> talk a lot about staying in the game and not getting dogmatic and all that stuff. There are two undefeated players in all of history. They have never lost. Now, if there's two undefeated players in all of history, and I can either have them on my team or go against them, I want them on my team personally, okay? Because they're, they're not competing for the same thing I am. I want them on my team helping me out. Those two undefeated players are time and randomness. Time has always passed. It has never not passed, not one time. And if it did, it wouldn't matter anyway, right? So time has always passed. I want it on my side. I don't want to be fighting the clock all the time. If I have to fight the clock, I'm driving the uh, my receptivity down. I'm driving the time frame in which something unexpected could happen in a positive way. So I don't want to fight time. Randomness has always happened. Nothing has ever happened exactly the way you expect it every day. Not one time. Maybe you followed your schedule, but something unexpected happened. It could be a red light, a green light that you didn't expect. It could be a car accident. There's always something that was not accounted for because you didn't have the information or because the information changed. So time and randomness, always undefeated. They are, time is always going to pass and we do not live in a vacuum. We never have, we never will. So I want time on my side. I want randomness on my side and randomness on your side is what we call good luck. When something unexpected happens, you're like, wow, that was lucky. That's just randomness on your side. The more time you have, the more opportunity for randomness to benefit you. So we want to keep them on our side and we want to remember system reliability. How do we increase uh, good luck? We go to system reliability. We remove the anything that is negative in our life. We try to remove it or at least get it to neutral because of how system reliability works. Go back to system reliability training if you missed it. So step one, can we remove the negatives? If not, can we get them to neutral? Can we neutralize them? And can we find the neutrals and get them up a tiny bit because system reliability and proving the less reliable components has a bigger impact on the reliability. Okay, so it's a system reliability thing. Look at everything, remove the negatives or turn them to zero or more than zero. Okay, so want to do that as often as possible. And we need the solvable problem as a base. If we have our solvable problem, go back to solvable problem and, and do that if you haven't, because that's, that's the most important part of this whole thing of engineering luck. If we know we have 10 years to generate, to get an extra $4 million or whatever, um, then we can, it informs our behavior, that's our base. We can look at 
is it possible that I'd be okay with a longer time preference? Having a longer time preference does not make things take longer. It takes the pressure off of pushing harder and taking more risk, okay? So you can actually lengthen your time preference from, let's say you have a four-year goal, and you say, you know, I'd be okay if it happened in six. Just by giving that two years a buffer, you might relax a little bit and actually see a path forward to get it in three. And it's very difficult for, for people to, to process this and understand this at first, but can we extend the time preference? Because from a behavior standpoint, the way that you engineer luck is relative to your solvable problem, okay? I wanna achieve this goal in this timeline. We wanna find the path that is the least amount of effort, least amount of risk, and most amount of options. Now this is a CCA principle, certainty U principle. Uh, very, very complex operating system, but it gets distilled down into this is how you engineer luck. I'm not saying be lazy and don't take risk and uh, don't make commitments, right? That's why we need a solvable problem, right? So if I have my goal, I need to reach that goal, but I need to choose the path of least amount of effort. It's probably still going to be more effort than any of your friends know how to put into anything, and that's okay. The reason being, if we can choose the path of least effort and we have a solvable problem, we can then say, okay, we're going to get there with this amount of effort. We can conserve that energy so that if something new reveals itself, we have the energy to capitalize on it. Oh, good luck. Right? So if something reveals itself and it's like, here's a fast path and you got it, you have to say no because you don't have time and you're already carrying too much risk and you don't have the resources or bandwidth to take it. That's bad luck. When you, when you put in the most amount of effort, take the most amount of risk, have the least amount of options, relatively solve a problem, you experience bad luck, right? You commit to something and then somebody shows you a more efficient path and you can't take the more efficient path because you've committed to something of greater effort, greater risk, and or less options. So I hope that makes sense. Again, we get deeper into this in like the wolf pack tier. Um, so least amount of effort in order to reach the goal. Least amount of risk in order to reach the goal. Most amount of options in order to reach the goal. Okay. Least amount of effort. It allows us to conserve energy and create space. Space allows for rest, relaxation, rejuvenation, and the ability to uh, see something that reveals itself that maybe you didn't know about yesterday. If you are balls to the wall, redlining all the time, you are going to miss a ton of more efficient paths forward. When you take a, when you uh, put forward more effort than is necessary, you also take an additional risk, burnout, injury, stuff like that. And we want to take the least amount of risk. Why? Because we have to stay in the game. That was number one, stay in the game. Okay. It's least amount of risk. And also when we take more risk, we have less options, right? So if you're carrying a huge balloon payment or um, you know everything <laughs> relies on one thing going right, so there's a ton of risk, you have less options. You can't divest, you can't invest somewhere else, et cetera, et cetera. So we want the most amount of options so that if something reveals itself, we can capitalize on it. We, we're not carrying too much risk to capitalize on it and we have enough bandwidth to capitalize on it, okay? This is good luck. Good luck is uh, 
not that a thing happens. The, the same stuff happens to everybody. Good luck is when somebody has been trained and made the space to capitalize on it when it happens. And so we've got to set ourselves up to be less dogmatic and uh, reach our goals, but with as much space as possible, as many options as possible. Now, least amount of effort, least amount of risk, most amount of options, they compound. So when you drive the effort down, you drive the risk down a tiny bit. Okay, when you drive the risk down, you can you have more options because you're not carrying a ton of debt or whatever your risk is. So when you have more options, you can then potentially find a uh, path with that might take less effort, which removes more risk and gives you more options, so on and so forth. So it compounds very quickly. If you understand the comp- uh, effect of compounding, it's very, very powerful. Now it goes both directions. If you choose a path that's more effort because you just want to work hard or prove something to somebody or whatever, or you're being greedy, so you take the most amount of risk, you've dropped your options down. And when your options go down, you have to make this thing work. Even if it's inefficient, it doesn't make any sense, and it's nearly impossible, it's your only option. So you have to work 10 times harder, and now you're risking blowing up, isolating your family, burning yourself out, right? So they compound. Little bit less effort, a little bit less risk, a few more options turns into more effort, uh, significantly less effort, significantly less risk, significantly more options, so on and so forth. So you got to be careful. It goes both ways. Uh, <laughs> just like a streak of bad luck, it seems like, man, just a streak of bad luck, but it's often because uh, some behaviors or it could be bad luck, but that bad luck compounds because we start changing our behavior. Right. Oh, bad luck. So I got to take a bunch of effort, take a bunch of risk to get out of this hole. Well, by putting in a bunch of extra unnecessary effort, taking out a bunch of unnecessary risk, you've eliminated a bunch of options, which then marries you to more effort, more risk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So streaks of good luck and good uh, and bad luck aren't as random as they seem. And they they're often not engineered. They're just happenstance, but they can be engineered. You can also engineer your way out of bad luck. You just have to fight the human impulse to to do more effort, take more risk, and eliminate options, right? This is called focus. I got to focus on one thing for a year. Well, when you focus on one thing for a year, you better be damn sure it's exactly the right thing. Otherwise, what you've done is you've cut yourself off to receptivity for a year, right? You've just eliminated all the new things that could reveal themselves. And I'm assuming there are things you know today that you could not have conceived of a year ago. So, if you're open to it, there will be things you know next year that you cannot conceive of today. The fastest way to block that off is to get hyper-focused on uh, not exactly the right thing. So engineering luck, it's not, again, not guessing, not hoping, not praying. It's not dogmatic. We don't have a crystal ball. It's, one, how do I stay in the game? How do I not name the puppy? How do I not get so dogmatic about how it has to happen? How, do, how am I open and receptive to more efficient pass forward? How can I take the least amount of risk least amount of effort, most amount of options while still being on track to reach my goal? And how do I make space to stay receptive? And we'll go into the details of all this stuff really in the wolf pack tier, et cetera, et cetera. But you can just start here, start thinking about it. And the key word in the champion's vocabulary is from Dr. Jess Spencer. And this is why most people, even if they understand this, are still going to struggle. The key word is restraint. Restraint. You're going to feel like I should do more. Well, we got to use some issue processors and frameworks. So we got to think about this because just wanted to do more. So I feel productive. Um, that's not what champions do. Okay. They have instruments and tools and dashboards and they go, no, I don't need it. Doing more 
actually puts me at risk of this doom loop of bad luck. So the key word is restraint. Restraint. If you're on track, you don't have to push harder. Greed. Okay? How do you overcome greed? Restraint. How do you overcome acting out of fear? Restraint. Restrain yourself from um, reacting to the impulsive behaviors that come with being human. It's hardwired into us. That's the way it goes. So you, you really want to achieve things consistently. Got to practice restraint. Yeah, that's an overview on engineering luck. Again, live to learn, give to earn. That's how we roll. Uh, I want to see some capstones about this. I want to see some six-word updates. Hope it's helpful. We're going to go, again, deeper, but do your part. Share your six-word update. Read the six-word update of others and utilize collective momentum because that's what this is all about. I'm just laying a foundation. I hope that your contributions collectively are so enormous that mine don't even matter anymore. That's really the goal here. Okay, so six-word update and uh, appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening to the Guardian Academy podcast. Hope it was helpful. If so, do us a favor, subscribe, leave us a review. Now remember, live to learn, give to earn. Reflect on and wrestle with any new ideas that you heard in this episode, and then turn around and share your experience with others. Remember, many of the audio files were pulled from video and turned into articles in our Knowledge Center, which you can access for free. There will be a link in the description. If you want to stay in the loop and hear more about what our members, our partners, and the community is doing, both in the real world and the Web3 world, check out our friends at Inside the Den podcast. Not only are they great dudes, they're highlighting and interviewing the movers and the shakers, and they helped us set up this podcast to be simple, helpful, and fun.